get into it. It's a week like any other week, and yet it's a week with a few little twists. Good evening, primetime partiers. It's primetime party time. Welcome back once again to our hour of all things media and entertainment related, live on the air at 9 p.m. at ptptshow.com and on your time, wherever you stream podcasts. Tonight, we are going to fully take on requests about switching up our usual TV coverage and see what our listeners pitch for in terms of movies. And now, Movies aren't completely different from television. They're very much like your eyebrows. They're cousins. So, you know, we're going to see what kind of films our listeners really want us to talk about on the podcast. We'll start, you know, some light conversations and who knows, maybe it'll spark some new episodes that you'll see in the feed. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? Hey, Tracy. I'm doing well tonight. How are you? Good. Just an... Just another Monday. I'm excited to talk about movies. Uh, we so excited. As much as I love TV, uh, movies are. You know, I was like, I was like, how do I say this? Like, are, are is TV like my first love and movies the true love? I don't think that's right. But no, I think it's like cookies and ice cream. Like, I need both. Probably, yeah. So it depends on my mood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, they're as both people, wonderful. Yeah. We, we, you know, we're both like two credits short of film degrees. So obviously we love movies. Yeah, there's, there's that. <laughs> there's definitely that. Um, all right. Well, then first, uh, I guess we're up first, right? I'm looking at our toasts and roast and, yeah. and they even seem to be movies related. What do you got for us this week? Yes. And like, I'll just preface that my roast isn't too roasty. It is more particular, but for my toast. And what a surprise. I look at the my toast and roast that I had planned, and they're both anime related. So welcome, guys. We're just about getting into uh, July, a uh, month of anime. So we'll just start it just a little bit early. And my toast is to Demon Slayer, the Mugen Train movie, which um, I believe we can fact check the stats and edit it in if we need to. But listeners, also correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it usurped. Uh, spirited away as highest grossing anime film in theaters and this is exactly when like you just started to be allowed to go to theaters again so it's pretty impressive I was on the fence about seeing it in theaters or waiting to stream and one of my co-workers loved it so much that he was like I full-on want to get a tattoo after seeing this movie <laughs> and I was like this is, there's no higher praise than I would like to take a still and have it permanently printed on my body. So I went and saw it and it was extremely good. I think one of the main differences between this anime movie and many others is that, and continuity is like so good in this. The last scene of the last first well, the first season, last episode, it's a fresh show, so they only have one season out. But it's them getting on a train. And this movie picks up exactly with them, like, 
maybe it captures the last 20 seconds of the last episode them thinking about getting on the train and it shows them you know picking exactly where they left off from that moment and them getting on this train and then it's kind of cool too if oh let's see i think it's called yes i don't know if anyone is familiar with the snowpiercer movie i know they're making that into a tv series as well and honestly it's very good um content is grotesque in some ways i mean it's only just showing the uglinesses of society so you know look in the mirror and say oh gross um but the other thing is that i only say this is familiar because this whole and i'm making a guess same could be same with like murder on the orient but it is a movie that fully takes place on a train and which I think is kind of cool because you don't see that a lot outside of like, I mean, Snowpiercer is one of them where it goes more sci-fi apocalyptic and views on, you know, working class, et cetera. But you don't see that a lot outside of Westerns and kind of older and like murder mystery for sure. But this is anime, so it's different. And yeah, it's also similar because there's these like demons that are kind of after um, the main character and one of them is on this train and they're sent kind of they're in this demon slayer core where they're basically like you know agents and so they get like a mission to go help one of these kind of like high up demon slayers called the hashira um help them with they've been having a bunch of casualties on this train so in some ways still murder (laughs) um so that's kind of the premise of it it's extremely beautifully animated it's really hard to describe this style because it's a bit different um a lot of it looks like almost like it's actual film and then other parts of it look like comic strips comic strips they do a good job of juxtaposing the different like old and new um techniques for animation so i think if you're just an animation nerd it's a fun watch um listener that you'll hear from later sean also watched this movie without seeing the series at all and he said standalone, it was still a good movie and it made him want to actually watch the series and understand like how they got up to this point because there is a lot of intensity and drama and the significance for, you know, certain character plots is more when you've seen the series because you've kind of grown attached. It was an interesting way, though, of seeing like a series build up to a movie and how it could you know you could just only watch the movie and it's a good movie and that's it and then have like if you're in the series you're like well now i'm sucked in and this is an extension and it's i'll be really interested to see how they pick up on their second season and if that really attention to detail continuity is like the second season picks up right after the movie so that they're kind of forcing you to watch the movie because a lot of animes the movies are really just for the fans like yeah they there's another storyline we kind of thought you would be into these characters doing another adventure together yeah it's like an inconsequential sort of romp with yeah exactly and it, it'll introduce some side characters and never really show up in the anime and for for the yeah. hardcore fans there's there's way more this movie perplexes me uh yeah. based on everything that you just said i mean it's just how well it's doing like being tied to a a, a series uh yeah there's just the the fact that it does it's all a single location train like the, <laughs> that's absolutely wild uh, my mind's boggled over this, uh, but it's amazing to hear that it that it's that it's great uh, that it stands alone. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. well worthy of a, of a toast. It it is a good good toast. Very good toast. Very much recommend this to others and also just fact checked myself and according to Vanity Fair is that Demon Slayer Mugen Train took the top spot at the domestic box office weekend of May 2nd, 2021 with 6.4 million rising from silver middle spot of last week. Um, and this was not just the biggest opening for Japanese animation, but for a foreign language film of any kind. What's more, a description of the film made it evident that audience came to already steeped in its lore as a series. Coming to the movie out of the blue, critics wrote, would ultimately be confusing. Interesting critics. My boyfriend seemed to disagree. <laughs> um, but yeah, really interesting thing to see on that. And that's fun to know as a foreign film or foreign language film. I will say that I actually was able to see this movie in English dub. I want to say that that also seems to be like a triumph because I can't remember a time where I was able to see sub or dub in theater. Yeah, That's kind of a really big move like to see that growth in the anime now my roast is not completely a roast and kind of similarly enough so a sailor moon eternal movies now it's a two-parter and so how this one goes is that it's taking there's this whole third season or not third it's technically fourth it gets a little bit muddy because it's still in the super s if you are you know immersed in the sailor moon universe but thus it is a it is really well done i know it's already starting as not a roast and i do really like it i think the only thing i have to say that is a bit negative is like the Pegasus season, which is what this is, and it's season four if you're watching it on Hulu, is one of my favorites. It is one of the campiest comedic ones, even though the villain is quite dark, but it is hilarious. And the only thing I'll say about this movie adaptation and two-part movie is that, in general, the Sailor Moon Crystal take on Sailor Moon is less of that. There's still a little bit of the comedy, but it's not the slapstick kind of like really like sassy and like roasty digs that you would see between the characters it's they still have like some moments of being like embarrassed or doing something silly but it, it's just not the same tone that you're if you're very attached to the original like I'm always more attached to the original that being said I wasn't a huge fan of Sailor Moon Crystal in general and I did like these they are you know, a little bit slow to start. I would not watch this like late at night or anything. Like you need to be like in the zone to pay attention to a movie. But they they do a really nice way of taking an entire season and, you know, dissolving it into two hour and 30 minute long movies or hour 20. So that being said, those that's kind of a toast to it. And the animation is really high quality. You are getting like these better, you know, views of like, I would say Sailor Moon is really well known for doing a lot of just like stills of 
Japan in the animated B-roll, specifically of like just like downtown Tokyo, particularly need the Tokyo Tower and such. So that is really nice to see. Um, a lot of the voice actors seem to be very similarly paired to the original voices. And they do not do things in the same order that they are in this whole original season, but they kind of do a better job of mixing up and kind of, and I mean, obviously it's kind of, you know, fit for purpose that because they only have two movies, they kind of have to take out a lot of the fluff and introduce characters in a way that makes sense from the beginning. And I would say in the original series, you see people like, for instance, there are these three characters and they're from kind of like the villain side that are based on like they're like animals that are kind of turned into people with magic and you never see that happen you find that out retroactively but in the movie they actually show these like you know kind of superpower people doing this so there's things like that where they actually kind of like give you context before jumping into things instead of like introducing characters but not knowing their backstory until later so I feel like there's like there's pros and cons to that as well because I think like for this season there's a lot of enjoyable fluff that I <laughs> loved that obviously cannot make it into when you're cutting it down right. to two movies but the two movies did a really good job like I really enjoyed watching them I'd watch them again um, I think there's just I would say yeah it's mainly the humor for me that's kind of the roast bit because even some of the jokes when the animation is more serious, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if that joke lands as well <laughs> in this iteration as it does for that. Or like there's like a certain thing where, you know, it's almost like parent or not parent job. It's almost like Freaky Friday. They have an episode where like the daughter, like Chibi Moon, Chibi Moon and Sailor Moon, like switch places for a bit. And in like the older one, it's kind of more like funny and they get into these like awkward situations. But when it's like more serious animated you're kind of like oh, it's kind of like awkward and creepy like you just you don't mm -hmm. take it the same way right. so there are some things where i'm like mm, no but then i also look at this and how much content and as someone who's consumed the seasons over and over again i'm like you did have to really pick and choose what you put into these and they did a very good job editing and picking the right pieces to include and if you'd never seen the original series before and watched these two movies instead of that season you would be able to pick up on the next season so that's a pretty good accomplishment i would say for this so i know not the most roasting of roast not at all. it's it's really more of a double toast but just like with some caveats there right. so i've I've ranted long enough about movies. Daniel, what are your toasts and roasts for this week? In a change for us, uh, I actually have the more the more roasty uh, roast, I guess, for, for lack of a better way to Ooh, put it. Fire up. Went to the theaters as well this weekend uh, for, the, for the first time in well over probably a year and a half. Uh, and I kind of say, I'll, I'll start with the roast because okay. the I don't recall, and this could just be my memory, but right. uh, grabbing grabbing online tickets, uh, um, movie theaters now have the the dreaded Ticketmaster um, concert convenience fee uh, attached to them. 
uh, whopping $5 one, which is interesting to me based on the fact that you're selling me an electronic movie ticket. Uh, I did not have this fee. That's, so that's let me, great let me to just hear. Tell you that. But I did do Regal. I don't know if that makes right. a difference. So the thing is, is, is like fees are, are, are fees, right? Um, and True. Honestly, th- that would be a roast, but, but the actual roast is that you can waive the fee if you're a premium member of of the uh, um, the theater, so you can sign up, pay them money, and then not have to pay them this money. I was just like, my mind was boggled. I was like, oh wow, we're back. Like, all right, yeah, that's 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 what being back's like. Um, with that said, uh, all worth it because the movie that I saw and I got to see it with Primetime's own uh, Just the Facts and BMAC was uh, F Nine. The Fast Saga is, I think, the official nice. title of this one. Are you familiar with the Fast and Furious franchise? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you watching this one? I will eventually. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, then then I'll try to keep this as, as light as possible. I'm a massive fan of this franchise. This is this is one of those, and, and we'll get into kind of how this, this can shape our conversation later in the episode, too. Uh, but I've loved, honestly, almost everyone and, and watched uh, several of them a, a billion times this one oh, yeah. i'll probably watch as many times i it was it was tons of fun to, to go back to and it was interesting because it's i it, it's high praise in this funny way right it's it's really funny because the i also do believe that the story of the fast and furious like franchise is over it has been over for a couple oh. of episodes now, like the logical endpoint, the happy ending, right? Like yeah. we've seen these characters struggle and we've seen them prevail. And it's interesting because you get to a point in a long running story, whether it's a TV series or a movie franchise, where you have to start taking away the victories that you've given the characters and that we've like learned to really love about them. You have to start kind of like tragically taking those away from them in order to yeah. keep the story going, in order to raise the stakes. Uh, and, and so it's really tough with, with something that w- w- where you see all of these characters you love come together because the, the Fast and Furious franchise starts out, I, I don't even know how to put it. it. It starts out in like several different directions, I guess I would say. Like the, the sequel doesn't like follow the first movie as directly as many movie franchises do. Mm. And, and the third one ends up chronologically being like number seven in the timeline. So it's not really until number four that you actually get a full-fledged sequel to the first movie of the franchise. It's really, really interesting in that way. And then five and six are prequels to number three, and then you get seven, and then you get eight, and now you get nine. It's interesting in that way because, yeah, as as we've seen it, we've seen the series kind of like come to a confluence. And yeah. we've seen those characters all get together and have a couple crazy adventures and really win. And and like I said, now you have to start raising the stakes. Now you have to start taking things away. Now now we go to the theaters and we're almost dreading it because we're like, oh no, like what awful thing has to happen in order to like kickstart a story here? Yeah. This movie actually does a pretty good job of like keeping all of the characters' motivations necessary for for how to like get into the, the plot of the movie um, and, and what the conflict's going to be. It worked way better than I thought it would based on the marketing. Um, I will say, the marketing for Fast 9 didn't do much for me, uh, but the movie itself has. And I thought a lot of things really worked about it. Um, 
there's there's a lot of sequences that work. There's there's a couple risks they take. There's it's it's an interesting movie because it it really cares and it really respects these characters and it and it, it it's very cognizant of the story that it's told. And at the same time, it's also like for all of that to work in this way and for us to give you kind of like what you want out of this franchise, we have to cut a couple corners and you have to be okay with that. And either at this point you love these people and you're on board or you don't and we don't care if you ever will. Um, and, and so on that respect, it's like if, if you go into this and you've only seen like the first movie or none of the movies, I don't know if I'd recommend it. I don't know if I, I could say uh-huh. like this is this is a this is a good like blockbuster movie. But you know, if if you're this far invested, we've said it on this show before. It's about the characters, and, and this movie yeah. does that right. This this franchise is really really lucky to have Justin Lin back. And uh, oh, we got a comment in the chat. Uh, MJ says, "R.I.P. Paul Walker." Uh, absolutely, yes. yeah. Absolutely. And um, yeah, but uh, but F nine, the Fast Saga or Fast and Furious Nine, or however you'd like to call it. Uh, one of the best things about that franchise is every like there's no naming conventions within any of the sequels. No, um, um, not great consistently. Consistency, consistency. <laughs> in the headlines in <laughs> the title sequences. <laughs> it's it's a bit jumping around the place. I think probably based on who was involved and who was doing all of that. Because I would say like after you uh, off the air recommended a viewing order i'm now really interested in doing that before seeing this one since i feel like it's been a while since i've seen a lot of these so it's some homework yeah yeah absolutely and it's it's really fun the the, one of the great things about this movie is that a lot of characters who have never in this franchise gotten to interact with each other finally get the chance to like Ah. people from the first movie people from some of the sequels that have never been yeah. on screen together, um, some of the main characters of the franchise that haven't had full conversations together. Uh, it's just really great. Uh, and, and it no. works. It works so much better than it probably should. Uh, Did they do the Avengers approach in a way? The Avengers, uh, well, I can tell you the first sequence is very endgame but what are you speaking to? To having like these related movies, but there's not always crossover between all the characters and then having like the the Mario Party of the movie, where it's like everyone's together now. I would, or is I, it in a different way? I would argue that, interestingly enough, Fast Five is like the Avengers of the Fast and Furious franchise. Okay. The interesting, like the from from what I can tell, I, I didn't really get into the series until around the time that Fast Five came out, and I was really only familiar with number two. Uh, yeah. And the the second and third movies aren't massively successful sequels to the first movie the first movie is it's a great movie uh and and it did have a ton of commercial success i don't think the same can be said for two and three on that level uh so when they kind of rebooted with four and then they built up to five five was kind of like that avengers kind of let's bring in the three crowd the four crowd and the two crowd and do a big team-up movie uh and this is kind of, I guess, the first time since then that that's happened. Um, and it happens to a really fun extent. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe this is like the Avengers 2 of Fast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because it's, it's main reference point. Because other thing that we uh, notice at the 
theaters and we also compared notes and got completely different previews. Uh, We did see completely different movies, so that's fair enough. But one of the previews I had showed, it was a really long Marvel preview of just, and they showed and they would do it in that style where they just flashed kind of the, you know, movie poster to be, you know, released and it was just every marvel movie that's coming out between 2021 and 2023 and let me tell you guys there's a lot a lot of products are about to be released (laughs) a lot of things are coming off the assembly line (laughs) um yeah and i'd say i'm interested in some there's some that i'm quite like well I, i do have to see that one and then there are ones where i'm like i do not need to see that and you know, they're doing fine. So me saying that is totally fine. Uh, so they will recover. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of that going around. So I feel like that's why I had it on the brain. But yeah. that being said, I got into Fast through Tokyo Drift. So great movie to get into it through. That's, you know, late, late to the party for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or technically early if you would have ever thought that around the time Tokyo Drift came out. I guess that's true. <laughs> So already, already, we got a lot to say, a lot to say about films. So without further ado, we'll take a little break and then we'll get into what our listeners have to say. We will pass the mic for a little bit. So... We had, uh, yeah, our, our listeners have been asking us kind of to, to, to speak to movies or, or yeah. like since we speak to so much TV, like how if movies fall within the realm of what we speak about. Now, I, I guess what, what we can do, uh, like you said, is like let's pass the mic because we do have one listener in particular who puts it in this great way of how to think of movies uh, in comparison to television movies i feel like at least a series every movie is kind of almost like just a long episode of a tv show (laughs) you know what i mean it's just interesting to see how they evolve too over time and those take years to make you know several movies just to see things evolve and how they change things from even books it just there's so much there to explore that was Mary. Uh, you can also hear her in episode 22, The Party versus SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, but yeah, she has some interesting ideas about movies being like long TV shows. What do you think, Tracy? She makes a very good point that once we've headed past and gotten into the golden age of television, I don't think people would make that same comment in the kind of routine sitcom television shows while I have a soft spot for them in my heart. That is not the kind of show that you would say that's like, you know, a shorter version of a movie or, you know, a movie is an extension of that. But if you look at all of the extremely premium television that we consume nowadays, and a lot of them are hitting the movie time periods, like some of these shows are 59 minutes long per episode. Some even longer. (laughs) And so you do get to that point where some people are creating a season of television that is much more like a saga of movies. So I think she, yeah, that's, that's a great way of putting it, especially in our modern 
streaming experience that movies and TVs start to get a bit closer together. Yeah, I agree. They are starting to get a lot closer together. They're starting to like take or not even starting. This is kind of like been long happening, but the, the, they they take a lot from each other, right? Like, yeah, uh, I I find it interesting on the like the production and uh, it, it's kind of like Mary said, like the movies take years to create, and when you get a TV show, like you shoot a pilot and it gets sold, and then you you have a schedule and you do an episode for two weeks and an episode for two weeks and. You know, and then you're off, and then it, it's very much like a, a different sort of scheduling as far as like yeah. how to build it. But at the same time, it's it, it it's not as much anymore. It's like you said, the the lines are getting blurred with like how uh, like limited series or even we spoke in the last episode like about twenty four, and while that's like a there are several stories that can only be done through like a television medium, and twenty four is one of them. Like what that actor we talked about Xander Berkeley said about his role is that oh this show's like exploring a character in, in a way that TV doesn't usually and, and we're getting into the nuances of that and, and TV's been taking that from movies and movies have been taking that like how do you keep sort of like a, a long-standing or how, how do you keep an audience engaged over time and, yeah. and continue this story forever and ever and ever right like to your point the Mar like marvel movies have been described as like tv translated back over to movies uh yeah. in a way in, in each each what like movie is the an episode and and i don't know what the seasons would be but et cetera, et cetera. Well, and then they do it in reverse when we look at shows that we've covered like wandavision and um oh, blanking on it but jessica jones right it's like these are also ones where it's like they'll go from movie to they'll have characters that switch platforms and yeah. in wandavision it's quite in a literal sense but you can see that being like they're treating the mediums based on we have a specific story where does it fit best versus like i'm making a tv show and I'm making a movie. It's it's they're really making the story lead the production in a way I don't think we've seen a ton. It's definitely something that you that's been building, but I think we're seeing a lot of that more now than we had previously. Yeah. Um. Maybe it's also like because some people are being able to get certain deals, and so you are having a lot of creators that have control. Even though we also know from you know. <laughs> hearing other things that you know that's everyone's still at work so <laughs> there's still there's still issues to be had it's not a magical universe where you get to just be like i make it all bippity boppity netflix stream it um so <laughs> still much t's and i's to cross um but at the same time yeah like and there's these series like big little lies which almost feel like a movie and they're based on a book i think I think a lot of this, you know, if you're looking at kind of the, I think it's Hello Sunshine, like the Reese Witherspoon kind of production company where it's like they publish books and then they, you know, produce them into films. Like you're seeing this like different kind of streamlined production and then some of them become TV shows and it's you're looking at the source material first and then going like, this is the best way to put it out there. So, yeah, I think a lot of it is based on how it's made and we're seeing really cinematic TV. And then we're also seeing movies that also have to, they have to make these big, meet the big expectations. And yet, like you're saying, they're taking notes from TV of like, well, we can't wait too long. <laughs> we're going to lose 
this audience or they have to have the audience on such a hook where they're like, you know, like Star Wars fans where they're like, I'll wait seven years. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then I'll be camped outside the theater. Yeah. So there's like, <laughs> you got to have it those ways. I mean, we grew up in a hometown tangent <laughs> where a big, you know, it's it's gotten a little bit more built up but it was pretty rural when we were younger and one of the biggest social things to do was camp outside for hours on movie premiere days yeah i did that a couple of times uh you know since since we are on this this subject actually uh one of the movie series that we're going to talk about uh, I, I I actually did that for uh, when I was talking to Mary and, and she was kind of describing these these sort of like movies that that sort of feel like TV series. Is. She did she did speak to a bunch of sort of um, saga, book, films. Yeah, saga films and and book adaptations. Right, like this oh, is nice. a lot of what we've grown up with stuff like you know Harry Potter. Uh, she mentioned Lord of the Rings, Twilight. I had to stop around Twilight. Because it's interesting. Um, Twilight is is yeah, that's that that's something. But it's interesting in a way where it's like, well, how is that memorable? Like, absolutely, that that was a book, and then there were movies. And when I think of it, it even kind of feels like TV. And that might just be like the whole vampire overlap. Um, but yeah, let's let's hear our thoughts on, on on that movie series in particular. I think Twilight's just memorable from those series because. I don't, they just had a big fan base and there was a huge we were around the same age as the characters when they came out they were going through high school we were going through high school I don't want to be cliche but I have to be cliche that I love the books hated the movies and I think it's not so much for the typical reason that people like the books better it's it's not so much like what was omitted or added from the books you know what people usually like why they like the books better I think it's just how it was visually laid out, honestly. I think the first time I watched it, I couldn't get through it all. Like, I just thought it was so silly. As I've gotten older, too, just thinking about Twilight, just like when it comes up, there's too many holes I can poke in the story that I find are weird. Like, things I thought were, like, so, like, entertaining, romantic, or whatever, when I was younger. Edward, I get he's 17 forever but he's been 17 for like a hundred years and Bella is just freshly 17. Like he's falling in love with this like high schooler. Like as I've gotten older, I'm like, that is so weird. You know, mm. just why in the world? Cause if you think about the reasons why people or even like teenage girls, anyone, even adults, like why you would be team Edward or team Jacob, like none of the reasons you could list are really like make any sense. They're weird reasons. What are you the know? reasons? Well, I don't know. Like, what? I don't know, Daniel. Like, what? <laughs> what? What are the reasons? Like, team Ed- people are like, oh, <laughs> team Edward. Like, he is a vampire, but he's like, he has this cool smolder going on. But he's like, cold to the touch. Like, why? Why is anybody interested in that? You know, like he <laughs> letters in the sunshine. I I love her take. Um, yes, because it's it's true. The way those movies play out. The way that the the conflict sort of plays out or the the whole like, uh, what is that? Is that like a, a will they, won't they love triangle uh, for speaking in our vocabulary? You know, yes and no. Like you kind of, I feel like, I mean, when you watch them as more of an adult, you're like, you do think 
there's clearly the smart choice and the romantic <laughs> choice. And you're making the romantic choice that most people, if they were, you know, 10 years older, would just go, bananas. You're not doing that. You're doing this. And in that sense, I'm saying if she was like 25, she'd go like, oh, yeah, I'm going to date Jacob and not Edward. I'm not going to do go through this like oh i have to like you know take a risk on becoming a vampire and might become a freaking murderer i was lucky that i was just like blessed to not be that way like 99.9 percent .9 of all the other young vampires and then it's like oh no i also could have just been like with the werewolf dude he'll just like be eternally like you know my protector super toasty and I mean, literally, he's supposed to be like run real high temperature and just like, you know, bop around Washington in a pack. It's like, seems pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that being insane. Like, I do love vampire shows and movies. So, at the same time, like, the colon storylines are very cool. Um, that's just more of the like going into the mindset. You do. I love rewatching these movies and there are like, I do remember a fun fact that was, I think, and also, you know, feel free to fact check me in the chat guys, um, that the first film was supposed to go straight to DVD, but then the books like just went crazy and they're like, no, we have to release this in theaters, which is why it seems kind of low budget. Oh, And then the yeah. rest of them, like you can tell each movie they got more and more budget because the special effects just start getting much better. <laughs> I was going to say, so I, yeah, yeah. And when we describe Twilight, and I don't know if it's just because there are some similarities within my mind to a couple other vampire shows we might have mentioned oh, on this show in the past. Um, when, But when I went, I, speaking of, you know, sitting in, in line for, for a hometown theater showing. I yes, showed up yes, to the yes. midnight premiere of Twilight Eclipse. I, I want to say that's the oh, third yeah. one. Uh, enjoyed it as a movie. Uh, obviously, good. I don't remember too much. Um, but yeah, I, I never really thought of it as, as like the low budget. But now that like you're saying the first one kind of had that to it, I am sort of seeing that. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and, and the first one is quite good for low budget. Yeah, I will say that. I think like when you watch it thinking like it's weird. like I think even people who don't think about movies that much would go to the first one with how popular the books go. And like right now you have this expectation of what Harry Potter is as a film quality standard. And you would see it and go like, well, that's odd. They have such a large fan base, but it's because that, you know, the books were out for a bit before they got popular. So then it's just like they're picking up. And going like you know switching things around that being said probably great ROI. Mm. but um <laughs> they then like i went to the new moon premiere i even have like photos of it in an album on facebook that was like new moon premiere and it's like that one was kind of big because i think that was you know that's where you meet the the werewolves versus the vampires typical you know pairing up we have that in true blood Pretty much every show, it's like, okay, we're going to have like the cold-blooded, the hot-blooded, go, go head-to-head. -head. Um, and yeah, the, the Twilight vampires are a little different because they have this whole like vegetarian vampire thing going on where okay. they just like do the animals and not the people. Like True oh Blood God, does the like synthesized yeah. blood instead. Like each 
franchise will do its own take i do yeah and then you know it's it's not like dracula or (laughs) what we do in the shadows which is more like a like a farce on all of that or the i forget the yeah dark shadows which also is a bit of a spoof so you you can see all these different iterations and that being said i just talked about multiple things that went across different platforms so true blood feels a lot like film it's on hbo it is very premium and they run about 45 50 minutes an episode and they're based on books cinematic quality you have that and then you have things like twilight where they were all movie based and then they did the same thing as the last harry potter film where they split the last book into two separate movies but yeah that yeah, that being said, I would say like the first three-ish movies, quite st- I like those more a bit as I get to the end. But that also is me being very partial to not loving how she chose to end the last book. I I mostly she like in a lot of the kind of intros to these books, there's she'll note like Shakespeare as a huge inspiration and then in the last book, like not everyone dies, almost no one dies. And you're like, listen, I read a lot of Shakespeare. Usually everybody dead. Well, everybody <laughs> died in eclipse. That's what I remember. Just the fact says there was some big battle. That there was definitely a there big is battle a battle in eclipse. eclipse. Yes. Uh, so there's not a big battle later. I, I I'm wondering if like Eclipse another... is good because she's getting like hunted by this yeah. woman um yes. who scorned because they killed her like lover slash partner. And she's like, well, I will like to take my revenge. And she's like straight up stalking. She's like trying to just, you know, take out Bella. And yeah, that one you're actually feeling like the heat, the paranoia, like it's coming. And then it doesn't. And it makes sense because she's the main character. But then in the last ones, it's like they're supposed to have this giant battle with the Volturi, which is like their weird take on like the kind of like... They're supposed to be like also in Vatican City, but not like the Catholic Church okay. at all. Uh, quite the opposite. <laughs> and then they're supposed to, but also be this like ruling like vampire government. And then instead of like duking it out, it's like a like they kind of duke it out, but then they kind of like cease fire like a bit early. And I was just like really hoping they were just gonna like come to just like you know Harry Potter had to do it where it's like oh my gosh they killed off one of the Weasleys and you're just like, my heart is breaking. Yeah. And then it's like, they kill off Dobby and you're like, did I shed a tear? Of course I did. And then in this one, you're just like, these people, they just doll or just chill. And then like the experimental daughter is like, oh yeah, she just like grows up to be an adult within two days. Wait, the experiment. Oh, right? is this the... And then she ends up with the ex-boyfriend. So not weird. This is what just the facts must be referring to. Instead, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for Twilight. Spoiler alert for the, the Twilight franchise. Move, fourth, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, she got a magic baby immediately after graduation. She should have gone, just gone to college. She should have just gone to college is honestly what I was saying about Gabriella for most of High School Musical 3, but that's a whole different story. Oh my story. gosh. Um, yes. With that said, Three more. Uh, I, this, this is, she I, puts this is off like, going to college and it is... Yeah, that's. I think there are a lot of things where I'd be like, the twenty-five version of Wait, herself she puts would be like off going to college. 
What book yeah. does she graduate? Wait, what? She graduates, lies to her family, and says, like, I'm going to go to college because she's becoming a vampire. Oh, no she says she's going this in Alaska. series has such strong opinions from its audience. What? Yeah. Oh, she goes to and Alaska, the, too? And, she, and like, our, in the books, Edward says, like, no, like, you should actually go to college, and then I'll turn you into a vampire and do all this stuff. And she's like, no. So I want to just, like, get married, become a vampire, and, like, do that. And you're just like, go to school. Wait, uh, get a degree. You might make different decisions based on having more choices and education. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite teen movie thing ever is just yelling at them to go to school and like forget these high school like problems that yeah. they have. It's like, if please just go to school. Don't, don't. Do, yeah. Um, it's like you might not stay with your boyfriend if you went to school. <laughs> you might not change your entire essence of your being if you maybe took some time. Yeah, no, I, and that, that's what I love about the, the, the whole, I, I, the end of, uh, again, going back to High School Musical 3, it's hilarious to me how, like, her and Troy stay together, and, and they play it off, like, she's down at Stanford, and he's up at Berkeley, and it's like, wait, that, that, these are high school kids, like, Stanford and Berkeley, like, they're, they're not on the same side of the bay, that is a long-distance relationship, that is as about as far as the part goes. That is a three-plus hour drive. I like that you mentioned this, because also, Spoiler alert. Um, for the To All the Boys I Love Before franchise, they do end with, I mean, she ends up picking a, a school in New York. I believe it's NYU. But at first, she doesn't get into Stanford, but she gets into Berkeley. And the boyfriend has like a lacrosse scholarship to Stanford. It's like, oh, but Stanford and Berkeley, we can hang out every weekend. And I was like, you're doing that drive every weekend? That's what we call denial. <laughs> Seriously, you're gonna not, not do gonna any last. of your social plans or make any friends in college because no you're way. gone every weekend when people do stuff yeah yeah like that's what's not happening just <laughs> that's why when you get three of your four years through college you're just watching these movies like no don't don't just go to school like, just go don't to school. do that <laughs> don't don't make choices based on what your situation is right now because that's all changing it's all changing and though i guess for her this was not changing other than Going on her honeymoon and then later becoming a vampy. So yeah. that's, that's what she did. So she becomes it, a vampire. Yeah. And then she has the magic baby. Yeah. Okay. And then that baby, it, just the fact says, there's no vampire sex ed because who thought that was going to happen? So they're not expecting her daughter to just like grow up and be chill with, with no. them? No. So the reason they're like their whole thing was that it was supposed to be that when she became. It was supposed to be that, like, basically that vampires, like, shot blanks. <laughs> so that was, like, the whole How much time idea in the story there. is and dedicated you, to this. You I'm also sorry. think about this and go, like, maybe too much attention to particular details oh, um, in this book. But, um, yeah, so they apparently, you know, were like, oh, it's cool. And then she was like, this is not cool. And she starts acting, like, real pregnant real fast. And then they're like, yeah, it's because you are. And like it's there's they go on their honeymoon and she kind of gets like immediately pregnant. And like this old lady who'd seen like this happen like one other time in like some sort of legend is like, ah, no. And that's how they figure it out. It's very strange. Um, Yeah, it's this particular storyline. Like, I like the series as a whole, but that one I was just like, you know, no. 
I kind of feel like every other vampire franchise is like you make the sacrifices when you're transformed. I don't like this like, oh, no, you get to have your cake and eat it. And that's kind of how I felt like about the ending, too. I was like, no, like there should be some losses here. (laughs) You can't just be able to be like rogue and do whatever you want, because that is kind of what the family does. Like they have this overseeing vampire organization and they like. Oh, Edward's all their rules and they are like oh yeah no we're just gonna like do what we want and get some people to back us up and why would they think that's a threat and it's like um yeah they, they tend to do do feel this way and true blood does a little bit more of like a actual governmental you know board of vampires so they have like areas area leaders like sheriffs and there's like a hierarchy and it's very much more like mimicking regular society in this kind of like specific set of people until they're kind of also in regular society as well or at least human society um and yeah that's like how those characters have to follow rules or else there are like heavy consequences so i think that's also why like when i consumed both of these around the similar times actually i was like "Mm, this is hard to believe (laughs) so there is something about watching all the vampire shows that you'll start to be like i don't know about that because in this (laughs) show in this show this happens (laughs) when i watch vampire diaries if stefan does not wear that ring bad stuff happened like there's there's just stuff like you know the whole the whole the whole fact that they're able to go in the sunshine to me is also deal breaker in the twilight saga oh is that when they get glittery as mary says yeah that's where they get glittery and sparkly like that's their whole thing of like oh we can't go into the sunshine because we sparkle i'm like no i like the the other vampire universes where you go into the sunshine you burn alive yeah no uh, yeah there's there's you know stakes no pun intended to it uh with with wait so and i'm sorry if you said this and i just like haven't been able to process everything yet but just the facts is saying that then jacob dates the daughter you think it could yes. get more extreme, but then it does. Wait, I'm yeah. sorry. When does the daughter be like, is Eclipse really the like action climax of this series? So, yeah, basically. I mean, there's a <laughs> little bit of action in Breaking Dawn, but not nearly awesome. enough. Like, the Breaking Dawn should have been like Kill Bill. Breaking and it Dawn, was, Breaking Dawn. Could that's not number be two. more opposite. That's my hot take. But, like, I really just felt like you should have just, like, and True Blood has like a super heart-wrenching like death in it where the main character straight up has to kill her first love interest throughout the whole series because he comes infected with this really bad like vampire blood disease and is gonna go basically kind of like have rabies type thing and like you know these are huge sacrifices and they can't just like kill off a few characters it's like nah but also yes so renezme the daughter she grows up and there's supposed to be this thing where like the werewolves imprint on the people and uh yeah they he does that with this girl and you're like ew this is a little bit like mrs robinson you know but reverse and that's kind of gross i that's how i felt about that I still have this one question. Just the fact is when a book gets really popular, I think the author gets a lot of say, then editing goes out the window and whatever they want goes. I cannot follow the structure of this story as you're all describing it. Like it sounds mm. like the last two movies are resolution. 
And yes. it's just all this baby thing drawn out. The baby part could like have they're... just not been there. And they probably <laughs> would have had more space to dedicate to the greater storyline i know that's me being like <laughs> i am going to super hate on this because it's like my biggest uh distaste <laughs> in the whole series is that to me it just felt like a little forced even when you're reading the book like you're like really this is what's happening here and then you're like but what about all the other stuff going on like there are supposed to be these vampire leaders who are like illegally making a bunch of baby vampires into a baby vampire army to go fight the colons like and it's supposed to be this kind of like anarchy corruption all this stuff like and i'm like living for it I'm like, yes let's see it let's do it and then we have this storyline that's supposed to be really sappy and then it's supposed to be they all like meet the daughter and go like look isn't she just like this amazing blessing and doesn't it just change your mind about most of that stuff like what is this an allegory I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> I, uh, this is uh, uh, okay. So it, MJ says at least Jacob and Renesme will always be closer in age than Bella and Edward. Now this is something interesting True. that Mary, you know, talked about. That is something that seems to come up a lot in the vampire sort of backdrop is oh, yeah. the age difference. And I noticed it in Angel and Buffy, obviously. Uh, though obviously. by the time you get to Angel, the, the David Boreanaz at least looks 30, so he kind of fits up in the offices. But it is funny because he's supposed to physically be 18 still or so. And he physically is. If you look at those abs, you could grow sick <laughs> on them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So you don't have any um, problems with this hundred-year age gap in these teenage vampires? Like, what is, is there? A you know, people really look the other way on those because <laughs> all of them have this thing. Right. I mean, at least with True Blood, uh, the main character Suki is like an adult. She's like supposed to okay. be in her like early to mid twenties, and so she's like, and she's had like a really hard life. So, I think you. As an adult, you watch True Blood and like there are certain times where she just gets she's like, I am fed up with all of you vampires. You are all kicked out of my house. Like, I'm done. And it's very relatable because you're like, this is a lot. And and these other ones like with Twilight, she just like keeps on taking all of the baggage. It's all far too much for a 17 year old and and at times younger. And you're just like, really? There's no point where you're just like, I might need to think about some of this. <laughs> <laughs> take a step back no she's just like full in from the beginning and i think it's supposed to be sort of a romanticized view of things and like the teenage infatuations and all of that though with very large consequences you know but um yeah it is yeah the all of it just the twilight movies are great i like so much of them and i also think they really bring you back into like an indie time period there's really great soundtracks on all of them i will say i might have some critiques to say about the final few movies but all of the curated soundtracks are fabulous it's pretty much every top indie alt artist did songs for that some of them wrote songs specifically that were to be released when these movies went out and usually they're part of their regular album anyway like you can think about meet me on the equinox by death cab for cutie which i believe is on the eclipse soundtrack um there's 
you know, Band of Skulls, Florence the Machine, lots of top artists of that time making tracks for these films. And so regardless of if you liked the movies, you would like the music, I would say. Um, but I do love these movies, even though I pick apart at how, you know, intense they go, how they, you know, should... I definitely have my take on like, I, if I was in the editor's room, I would be like, no, but I could not imagine the audience backlash if they did not stay true to the books on the final few. Like if they were like, you're not going to put Renesmee in the movies. And I'd be like, as they should not have in the books, (laughs) but like, I could just see people going like, how could they not put this in the movies? This is a huge thing. So you know, they were really doing well by the fans on that and maybe not thinking about them as standalone movies and more like movie adaptations, which I think has changed a little bit on the book adaptations now. I feel like they do think more about like, well, this has to be on TV or on film and we're going to have to cut some stuff or the way the information is introduced is going to have to be different. Yeah, yeah. Something interesting that that a series that I watched earlier this year, uh, the Expanse uh, oh, yeah. television show, is based on a number of books, and they actually introduce one of the major characters from the second book onward in the pilot episode and lengthen her story to build up more over time. And I thought that was really fun. But yeah, to Mary's point, like that, she did say that the Twilight movies ad- adapt everything for better or for worse. Yeah. And also now I see why why Twilight is listed in these memorable movie series <laughs> along with Harry Potter and, and and all of the others. Oh yeah, like I on lists of movie series that I have to annually watch. I do have to annually watch the Twilight Saga. So that being said, like I have a lot of things to say on like how I would have done it. No one's asking. Um, but at the same time, like, I also like them enough. I usually, though, when I get to the last ones, I'm like, do I want to watch this? Do I want to see how this ends? Because they're not as much my favorite. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Other times I just make it through, like, four of them. And then I'm like, okay. Four, four out of five? Or three. <laughs> usually the three out of five is my my go-tos. And then I decide if I want to do four and five. But usually once you've done the three, you're like, I got to just, like, Stay push out. through. Like I'm on the last few miles of like 5K. Just be like, gotta just kick. Gotta sprint through, get through four and five. And there are things to like about the last ones too. Like the part one is more like the wedding and all this other stuff. And then the part two definitely gets more into the baby storyline, which I think everyone's just like a little off because it does feel like even though, you know, Bella and Jacob did not do anything to like produce children either it feels a little incesty it just like it's a little bit like oh and yeah it's it's off-putting i'm not sure i'm not sure why no it's it sounds off-putting it's it's interesting it sounds it sounds hard to hard to buy maybe is the better way to put that it sounds yeah uh, yeah wow okay um a quick question Sure. Um, that that uh that, that was that was that was a talk. Um, I know we we really went on to our, our twilight, just which is convo, which, which is great. It took, it took life. We have more 
to say and from more people, technically we have two more movie segments left at, yeah. at the least. Do you want to power through them, do another break, or, or do we want to do a sequel episode to this one? Like, what's everybody feeling? Ooh. So everybody got time for, essentially. I know. What? I know. Does, every, does everyone have time for us to go through a couple more, or should we just, you know, really realize that people want us to do movies? <laughs> Yeah, right? We can do a movies part two. And do a, do a part tour. How are you feeling? How am I? I, I, could, I, could, I could run through uh, a few more. Though we did get some requests that I am not up to speed on just yet. I'm down to, to go over them and see if the chat has anything to, to say about them in particular. Uh, I am also down to, to maybe do some more research. Um, I'm down Let's to... Do some- research and do a part two because i think we've had a really enjoyable conversation about movies and how we should start covering them and i think you know the other recordings we got were pretty much requests for episodes that could all live on their own so let's give them the time they deserve fantastic uh while it's still fresh in your mind though uh let's let's talk about the last one on our list um since it was requested a couple weeks ago by fen uh, oh, we're talking yeah. Mitchells versus the Machines. You finally uh, got to see that. What's up? Yeah. So I really enjoyed this. Um, Mitchells versus the Machine is we're taking the summary from IMDb. And this is a movie from 2021. And the whole synopsis is an animated action comedy about an ordinary family who find themselves in the middle of their biggest family challenge yet. Saving the world from the robot apocalypse. No big deal, right? It all starts when creative outsider Katie Mitchell is accepted into the film school of her dreams and is eager to leave home and find her people when her nature-loving dad insists on having the whole family drive her to school and bond during one totally not awkward or forced road trip. But just when the trip can't get any worse, the family suddenly finds itself in the middle of the robot uprising. Everything from smartphones to Roombas to evil Furbies are employed to capture every human on the planet. Now it's up to the Mitchells, including upbeat mom Linda, quirky little brother Aaron, and their squishy pug Monchi, and two friendly but simple-minded robots to save humanity. I liked that this movie combines like three concepts that weirdly work. Um, you know, that sort of National Lampoon-style family road trip right? structure. And then the kind of like technology versus people, iRobot type situation. Of course. And then also a lot of like, you know, with smartphones and Rubas and Evo Furbies, you're, you're getting this kind of like quirky, on the nose, but also product placement sort of sarcastic jokes written in there, which doesn't surprise me when you see people like Abby Jacobson and Maya Rudolph and Conan O'Brien like on some of <laughs> some of the cast involved. So, yeah, it's 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 really enjoyable. I think this is one of the better like this was made for Netflix, correct? Was it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, I think it's it's a nice competition too for a lot of the Disney Plus movies that I feel like have been released of Pixar during the pandemic and otherwise that are kind of these like must see movies. And it seems like Netflix is getting their way of making, you know, similar sort of animation in that 
DreamWorks, Pixar-y type realm. It'll be interesting to see how that grows or if it does. I also saw, and I mean to watch this, like another movie in that somewhat style, like The Wishing Dragon recently got on there. And I mostly know that because I follow Jimmy Yang on Instagram. Um, so, and he shared that that was going out. And I was like, oh, I didn't hear about that. Because, you know, a lot of Netflix is like, you only see what they kind of predict you wanting to see. So if you're not watching enough, like, kind of like children's animation movies, they won't necessarily <laughs> come up on your list. Um, unless you're me, <laughs> then they definitely will. So yeah, like that's kind of like my big picture point of view on this movie. Daniel, what do you have to say about like more the more the details on Mitchell's Person Machines? So their Sony Pictures Animation is amazing to me, and and a lot of the the reason a lot of their re, de- films from like the last decade or so are amazing are because of. Phil Lord and, and Christopher Miller and and as I was watching this I was like this is almost a, a Lord and Miller movie like this this just it has that that feeling to it that you saw with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs Lego movie yes. uh, Spider Verse uh, who I think one of them wrote uh, Go and Behold it's produced by them uh, and it's directed <laughs> by Mike Rianda who is known for his work on Gravity Falls which I'm not familiar with but I know that some Nor people in the primetime community are really really uh, into. With, with that said, uh, it's yeah, it, it had that sort of stamp to it, and uh, I, I love that. Um, there is, there's just something in 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 their language of of themes and story, and and I, I think that there's like so much so much truth to to sort of what they what they draw up their stories to be about. Um, and I'm always looking forward to anything their names attached on. Uh, so as I was watching it and I was just kind of like, it, it's just like such a distinguishable stamp, right? Yeah. Um, you know, not in, yeah, I just, I, I absolutely loved that. I loved the characters. I loved the, um, I loved everything about like the little, you know, like the, the obviously the, the, the film school, you know, going off and, and, and escaping and, and the, the making movies about the conflicts within the family. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's just so much there. There's, 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 there's like the great climactic moment where everybody in the family gets their due. Um, the Furby scene in the mall is hilarious. Uh, made me kind of stop and be like, Wait, what is going on? Like, well, <laughs> this is, uh, with that said, uh, something, uh, honestly, an- another thing, uh, and I, I can't speak to whether that, that I would assume that this has something to do with like a, a pro- probable suggestion by, by the Lord Miller's, they have the best credit sequences in movies, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Jump Street movies. It's kind of yes. like un- unbeatable. Uh, with that said, I-, I thought it was really beautiful, the, the credit sequence to this one. Uh, and it-, it shows pictures, like live action pictures of not only the cast, but a lot of the above the line crew, uh, like with their families and, and whatnot. And I-, I just, I-, I found that to be That's like nice. such a beautiful thing to put in the credits. Uh, yeah, it's and- very it was a very heartwarming movie, yes, uh, and and I really enjoyed that. That was that was nice. There there are just movies that I think get it, and I think that this one was one of those. Um, that is one of the best things one of us could say. About movies. <laughs> like, there are some movies that just get it. Yeah, yeah. Because we we are we do poke holes in a lot of movies, even though we love them. Absolutely. And I'd say like this is one where we don't have a lot. We don't all have, have a lot to pick at. So 
Yeah. yeah. And and it's interesting because when I was looking, I was like, this does remind me of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And it is cool to know, like, oh, yeah, there's like a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's a definite reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will. I will say like the, the, the robot, the, the, the robot, you know, uprising kind of apocalypse thing is is. A, a, a tried and true plot at, at this point perhaps, but Olivia Coleman was a really fun villain for it. So um, yeah, I do think that is true. I feel like this is a good one to be like, so guys, we've, we've done the robots. We've done. Them. And yeah. I mean, I also love Wally, which is a similar, like, you know, robots and humanity and the decline and it's less the iRobot or, you know, robot uprising type issues. And it's more like the, the, you know, how technology and humans interact so and that and they did a different kind of since it's very silent like i i think that's like it's nice as well but i agree with you we we are are reaching a cap on some of those things i feel similarly about a lot of books that i used to read as a teenager i got to a limit of dystopian societies where i was like right i can't do like when hunger games came out this is a take that not many people had. I straight up was like, can't read them. I've done so many of these wow. <laughs> already. I've done so many universes, so many dystopians novels. And I just, I'm like, I'm, I can't, I'm at my cap. I'll watch maybe the movies. I only watched the second Hunger Games movie. I forget what it was, Catching Fire. And I was really into a rewatch of Lost at the time, and I just drew parallels left and right. And so I actually, I, I don't, I, I, I like didn't allow the story to stand on its own. I have no idea what the, uh, really like much about what the movies are. Yeah, that's that's a that's an assignment for us as well. Yeah, I remember a college professor telling me that the Hunger Games books were written to be adapted to film. Like an author was going like, "Hey, you got to write some books that we can turn into movies," and that's how they got on that one you know don't know the source for that right. <laughs> uci professors but it seems pretty accurate so and that is one where they do do some heart-wrenching cutoffs so bringing it back to my twilight you know squabble is that yeah you, you gotta you gotta take out some characters you gotta stab everyone in the side a little bit that's that's more my <laughs> I guess that's more my writing appreciation. <laughs> it's like you, you, they can't all just win in the end. That's oh, not how it works. I do okay, think okay, in okay. general though, like it is hard since those books are made for teenagers and ones that have like more like these romantic y daydreamies. It is hard watching that as more of a hardened adult. So <laughs> I think that is when you're going back in time to a different kind of place of mind and universe that you're supposed to be in mythological and teenager both are arguably hard to get back into um that it's uh you know you are looking at it differently like and being that person on the couch watching it saying go to school <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've grown so yeah. you know <laughs> what, what are you gonna do but yeah, these these are all great films. And if anything, this episode has really uh, taught us. And thank you, our listeners. And we have even more footage to share with you guys and more films to discuss. And now we know. 
Yeah. We got we got to put some movies into the mix. We 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 absolutely do. While we're here, I I did take a quick poll for favorite movies. Um oh, nice. so I guess we can just shout those out with the crew that we have tonight. Uh I did, I mean we we've talked about ours before I believe probably yeah. on an after show. Um but I mean I'll I'll shout out Surf's Up, I'll shout out Heat. Um B-Max says his favorite recent movie would be Knives Out. Oh, that's uh, a great one. Yeah. Uh, MJ uh, says a uh, favorite recent movie might be Enola Holmes. Um, and I think that's what that's that's like a sequels in production, right? Um, yeah. Fen likes Promare, which is an anime movie uh, that I have never heard of. Don't know yeah. anything about. Uh, what's yours? I have. I know a lot of a lot of times I will list favorite directors instead of movies, but I will just shout out a few. From Ghibli, I, Howl's Moving Castle is my favorite. Um, I do love Kung Fu Hustle in the Stephen Chow area. Um, I love Blazing Saddles when it gets to Mel Brooks. Uh, that that one definitely doesn't always age the test of time, but you guys just got to know Mel Brooks. Um, and then I also really like uh, Mr. Nice Guy, which is a Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> Um, where he is like, uh, he's like a food network star. (laughs) It's it's combining two of my loves, but yeah, I would say like, those are always in my rotation, but then I also really like, um, like pretty woman and And those, those are less like, I don't know. Those, those are more rom-commy, but they are very heartwarming and like legally blonde. Those, those make my list. I have things that are very like more edgy and like for a while i would always watch like in high school kill bill was like my favorite movie of all time so i really bounce around on the favorite movies i just listed like eight and you asked for one no i i could list eight easily too but yeah i just yeah it's like we've it's like we've said it's it, it is it's it's somewhat directors and it's somewhat moods and it's somewhat uh, there's a lot to it. We also asked Mary, um, so so this is a little bit on, oh, yeah. on her favorite movie. I think this often changes. I, I'll have a favorite movie, and then <laughs> for the same reason, I won't get a tattoo. I'll think something's like really cool, super funny, and then I think about it. I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't get that because my taste has changed, you know? <laughs> I mean, I might still mention like um, She's the Man with Amanda Bynes. That kind of humor, that's just it's so stupid it's funny kind of humor you know but honestly i i don't know i i would have to say harry potter though is something i i religiously go back to them and i think it just they they honestly capture the atmosphere that the books describe the movies just do that so well if not better than i could have ever imagined the visuals i mean just every detail like diagon alley just like going through the hogwarts halls you know (laughs) just what you imagine as a kid like i don't think it you could really capture everything even reading the books just like who who didn't watch harry potter when we were younger and just wait for their hogwarts letter you know what i mean that's the only one that's been unwavered throughout my lifetime it's a good pick good pick great pick also she's the man is great i love all amanda Bynes movies they're they're fabulous and for this exact reason she said there's a lot of like there's a lot of stupid humor, but at the same time, I'd also say like she had a specific type of movie that was produced where it was like a teen movie, but it always had some sort of like bigger, you know, 
it's they did a good job of lightening like heavier topics so yeah like you know she's the man is about her being like oh they canceled the girls soccer team so i'll just be on the guys soccer team and be like these people never heard of title nine um <laughs> but yeah like, i think she went to private school but the semantics don't matter it's it's a funny concept funny movie um you know it well we all know how to treat nosebleeds uh so yeah it's it's great and yeah harry potter could not agree more it's it creates a whole world that we all saw on the pages on the screen which i do think the one thing we have to say a lot about both tvs and movie wise is content that's based on books that's the main thing that really has come through as like these cinematic adaptations is the things that go from the page to the screen well said there is so much more to talk on about movies and actually we already have our next assignments on the matter uh we'll be talking about who framed roger rabbit there will be blood no country for old men in the future uh, and whatever else you want. Um, this show could not have been made without the following amazing people. We're talking our artwork was done by Fen. You can find her at Fenlante on Instagram. Our theme song was done by Jay Wright. Find him at jwrightmusic.com, our website. And thanks to Coco, our production manager is BMAC. And we guest starred a Mary tonight uh, from all the way in Ohio. Uh, if you have any movies for us to talk about, if you have any uh, TV concepts for us to talk about, if you just want to rant, roast, or rave with us, uh, really about anything, you can hit us up by sending us an email at info at ptptshow.com our voicemail or chat box on the ptptshow.com homepage and catch the next time prime time party time next monday live at 9 p.m pacific here on ptptshow.com uh did i miss anything no i think that's a wrap is it yeah Ah, well good timing then people before and she's like it doesn't matter and he's like I've never wanted to kill someone so much before and she's like I trust you (laughs) girl why you don't even know him what